Welcome, everybody, to Dungeon Master Discussions. I am your host, Zach. It has been so long. So, so long. I've missed all of your beautiful faces. Though they do look like a small camera. Um, I hope you've all been well. Uh, I am back. Today we are going to be discussing world building. Today I'm joined with my wondrous guest and actually one of my players, Meg. Hello, Meg. Hi. Um, so I have been a dungeon master for a number of years now, done a number of conventions, uh, do it as a part-time job now. And this show is all about interviewing different dungeon masters, finding out what they do at this table. So Meg, today is all about you. I just want to know about what you you actually do, all right? I know there are these hypothetical correct answers in D&D. I find in D&D the answer is always, but everything is possible. Mm -hmm. But I don't care about that. I want to know what you do at your table. So tell me a bit about yourself and your Dungeons and Dragons experience. And we'll get right into it. Sure. So I started playing, I want to say four years ago-ish. In college, I picked it up, and I'm like, I don't want to write that report, so I've decided that I'm going to learn how to play D&D. <laughs> um, I played a little bit online, and then immediately was like, I want to DM this. So I wrote a couple of one-shots, played it with some friends, and apparently my DMing style is very much over-planning everything. Um, I come by it honestly. Um, uh, I am an urban planner in real life, so over-planning things is kind of what I do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, when I DM my, my sort of ethos thing that I do is just, yeah, over planning everything. Uh, details, world building. I go into way more detail than most players like ever get into, which is, mm -hmm. is kind of crazy and a little bit over the top. But I like having it there in the background to kind of, you know, pull from when they ask like weird sort of like out there questions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they've been like, so how does this work? And I'd be like, well, actually, it's this, this, and this. Also, give me a history check. And they're like, okay, wait, we weren't expecting an answer for that question. But You had a list. I played in uh, two of your one-shots now. And uh, one of them, uh, you had a pile of books. And I shit you not, I think you like just broke the fourth wall. And you're like, guys, no, I have a list of 28 books. Do you guys want to look at these books? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I did. It was like the day of the campaign. I'm like, okay, there's individual offices in the, the museum that you guys were, were crawling around. And I'm like, wait, they all have bookshelves because this is a museum. What if they ask what kind of books are on the bookshelves? So I actually tailored the books that each person would have in their office based on who they were. So if you guys had looked at all of the books that you were like in the offices, some of them would have like hinted to the fact that like the guy whose office you're in was totally evil. Ah, uh, they kind of like had like little personalities like Sandra likes cats, is a necromancer, and uh, loves trampolines, and you find books about those kind of things. Okay, that's I like exactly I, it. Yeah, I dig that. Okay, um, yes, and I also like you. You definitely overplan, and I don't mind it in the slightest. I actually very much enjoy it because um, a lot of times when I'm playing for a dungeon master, I kind of understand that there's a bit of improv. And that if I open this random thing, that I'm going to be getting a bullshit kind of quick thinky response. But with you, I'm like, maybe, maybe she, maybe she has something fully prepared in here. <laughs> now I want to go explore all those little nooks and crannies because next time I'm like, what didn't I find? And as well, every time we have a 
you have a one shot. It's always like it starts at seven, and then we're like, when does it end? When it ends. Yeah, I uh, I always put way too much content in it, so that was supposed to be like a three to four hour one shot. We started at seven. We like talk for an hour, half an hour to an hour, and then we played until probably two to two thirty in the morning, and that was like wrapping it up quick we're like okay guys we need to finish this out because we're all getting tired and it's been like eight hours and we're ha and you guys didn't even touch like probably a good 60 percent of the stuff that i planned we went in a very linear linear path we didn't like diverge too much but it was just because no was... not too much all right so do you find you do the same thing with like your world building I do. I start world building is kind of this like overwhelming thing. I like one shots where I can like carve out a little piece of the world and I know where it begins and ends and you know how far people can get. Mm -hmm. uh, so campaign world building is a little bit overwhelming in that sense that you are building everything. And my first initial reaction is to start from like, okay, major grand scale. And then I work my way down to like, okay, there's this little like orphan child selling newspapers on this individual street corner and I have names for the streets in this city. Um, so I, I tend to get uh, a little bit lost in the details. So campaign world building has been very much like taking a step back and taking things slowly and kind of working my way down systematically. That makes sense, that makes sense. Well, tell us a little bit about the, the world that you got going on right now that you're building. Sure. So I'm building a cyberpunk world for a, a 5e campaign I'm running right now. Um, yeah, about four or five years ago, I was doing um, sort of other like, uh, I had a writing group online that I was uh, I was sort of playing with uh, mm -hmm. before I moved into D&D. So at that point, I was, I had this idea in my head that I was going to write a novel. So I started world building for this novel. And I had all of these ideas of characters and places and things I wanted this character to do. And then for all the research I've done into novel writing, the whole point is that you're supposed to get from point A to point B, and you shouldn't have a single sentence in the book that doesn't add to like the story of the book. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I can't do that. There, there are way too many things and points I want to hit mm -hmm. to really do this in a way that makes any sort of linear sense for an actual story or plot line. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I've got a little bit of world building. I've got some characters. I've got some stuff just sort of sitting out here, you know, you know, floating around in my head. Mm -hmm. And then got into D&D &D and I'm like, oh, well, I, I've got some work already started. I've got some NPCs. I've got a couple of locations, a little bit of world building. I'm like, why don't I just DM a campaign and I'll take all of that stuff and I'll make it work in this one. Um, so, yeah, it's taken a little bit of work to make it work from a, a very sort of like high, almost medieval kind of fantasy setting to more of a modern cyberpunk sort of setting. But I'm enjoying the, the carryover from it. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of it isn't too terribly different. Um, yeah, no, it's um, it's high fantasy, uh, modern technology that's powered by magic. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a big thing. Yeah, and it just keeps getting bigger somehow. <laughs> in what in what sense? Like the 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 world, the info that you have about it. Yeah, yeah, the world and the info keep getting bigger. Where all of these things that I started with of like, okay, I want, you know, there to be a, an archeological dig, but also pirates, but also the city out in the desert and the city in a mountain. And I'm like, how do I bring all of this together? And like, it just didn't work for a novel because you can't do yeah. all of those things well enough to like really make them mean anything. Sounds like a but series. But like D&D campaigns, yeah, stuff is just like 
stuff is there and characters will, and players will just go to what they want to play with. So if they decide that the, you know, the cyberpunk is, it's cool, you know, the metropolis that's always raining and dark and miserable and stuff is kind of not their thing. Uh, they can go be pirates, I guess, if they want, if that's the, if that's the direction they want to go. I like that. No, I, I, I like that from a world building perspective, because as you know, I run very like sandboxy games where you can really go anywhere and do anything if you really want to. If you just add, tell me, we want to go do this. I'm like, well, thankfully it's a giant world and somewhere out there is that. You want to do that. Um, so having those options is very kind of nice because, yeah, sometimes I might want to go be edgelord in the city. Sometimes, man, I just need to raid some booty. Uh, hmm. I didn't like how I phrased that. You know, you know, you know exactly. However you want to, however you want to interpret that, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun, and I like having a big enough world to really be able to do that in. It just takes a lot of time and effort to overplan everything the way that I overplan everything. Um, Actually, just talking to my players last night, we've done two sessions. Well, technically four. We did a couple of pre-sessions to kind of get them all together. And then session one was the the, the meeting of everybody. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, we did two sessions. And I'm like, okay, guys, I don't think I'm actually ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that internally. So we're, 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 taking, we're taking a little breather. And I'm going to, yeah, go, go to town on the, the details and the planning and then get back at it. Because, yeah, as a DM, I'm definitely not great with improv which is something i'm working on mm -hmm. but i like having my background planning and my notes and all of that kind of stuff to to really draw from when they ask me questions i like having answers for them yeah. and i don't like bullshitting it because then it's like wait i have to that that is now canon everything i've just said now is is the truth and now i have to work it into everything else and i'm really bad for painting myself into corners with that uh... i'm like what's the coolest thing i can think of and i'm like wait that doesn't actually work <laughs> I have done that myself. I have done that myself one or two times. <laughs> uh, what was, what's been uh, the biggest like learning experience you've gotten through the process of building this cyberpunk world? I think it's just making enough cool things to fill the world. Mm. And I think like I take inspiration from pretty much everything. Like I scroll through like Pinterest. I'm like, this is a cool picture. I'm going to build a whole setting based on this picture. Uh, so yeah, but I think world building in itself is, it's a process and everybody does it differently. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I like to start big picture and work my way down into things. Um, I'm, it's just going to sound terrible. I'm not a fan of maps. Uh, maps? maps not a fan of maps i don't blame you one bit it is as a perfectionist uh soul that i have i can never find right yeah and i i can never build a map in a way that i want to and i think that it almost sort of i find that i paint myself into corners with maps because if i start with a map and i'm like okay you know here's what the city looks like and now I have to fill in the spaces of like, okay, this is this, and this is this, and this is that. But what if I have this other thing? Where do I put that now in this yeah. like box that I've built for myself? So yeah, I find that I like to start with ideas and working my way down. And then once I have all of that figured out, I'm like, okay, well, I know that this should be close to this and we'll put it down here. And then I can like make a map that fits what I've already built. I yeah. don't like starting from maps because I find I just kind of box myself in. 
Okay, so you you kind of find that you when you world build, you want to try for yourself. You avoid kind of putting those <clears throat> limitations, getting yourself in a box. You don't want to put yourself in a box or a corner. You want to kind of make it so that you can work free, have that like kind of expressive um, cool shit, and then you take all that expressive cool shit and you put it in a box. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. You, yeah, you, like, you build the box around the cool shit that you want to put in the box. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Because you might need an octagonal box. You never know. Exactly. Alright, I dig that. I like that a lot. Um, when you would begin, what would be like, so I think you said it earlier, you said the first thing you do when you begin kind of building is you find motivation. After you find that motivation, do you have any kind of process to begin building? Like how you work down from big to small? Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, side note on the map thing, I literally have a diploma in map making um, and I'm just really bad at it. It's just it's just a thing I'm not good at. Uh, um, I'm so jealous. Uh, I wish I knew how to make maps. <laughs> See, I just like, uh, okay, I'll ask you the question again. I'll just make a quick point on maps. But yeah, no, I have I have an answer to that question. But yeah, just thinking about that. I'm like, my profs would be so disappointed in me, but man, I'm I'm terrible at making maps. Places build so weirdly. Like, even if you look at, like, I live in London, Ontario, and it's weird, built so freaking weird. Like, places will just expand up over here out of nowhere, and then you'll have, like, a big hub over here that'll, like, just be nothing in, like, 10 years. And I'm like, okay, now how do I replicate that accurately in D&D? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so. But, yeah, uh, going, back, going back to your question, I can get into that. Um, yeah, the thing about world building is starting with, like, usually when I go, like, city scale, I think of, okay, why is this city here? Like, what is the purpose of this city in the grand scheme of the, the world that I've built? And the, the main city that my characters are in right now in the cyberpunk world is it's on a coastline, and it used to be a trading route. That was the whole point. It was this big trading port. It's got this, like, island that kind of shelters the harbor a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it was good protection from, like, pirates and privateers and that kind of stuff. Um, so that was sort of the the point of the city being there was it was a trading port. And yeah. then, so everything kind of has to have a purpose in a way. You know, I think a lot of things where you go, you know, okay, we're on the road and we're going to a village and the village is just there and it looks exactly like every other village because they all have the well in the center. You're like, okay, but what's the point of the village? Why, why is the village there? Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, this city was a trading port that sort of turned into this, um, We've got a big industry in terms of like energy generation. There was a lot of mining, um, that kind of stuff. So it ended up being this metropolis because it just had so many things going for it. And then it's connections to other cities and that kind of stuff. So that's sort of how I start um, city scale is, you know, what's the point? Why is it here? Um, and then I dig down a little bit deeper into, okay, this is the purpose of the city. What kind of people live in this city? So if it's a, it's a port trading town. You're going to have a lot of dock workers, sailors, industrial stuff. Um, uh, the city's actually got, because one of my characters um, is a dwarf as a, like a guild artisan kind of character. So I'm like, yeah, the, the dwarves and the guild artisans would totally have lived in this city. So they've got their own sort of little neighborhood section. Mm -hmm. um, I've got, and then at that point, once I've sort of broken down some neighborhoods in terms of, you know, 
where would the downtown be? And then where would the residential stuff be? And then how did this city sort of grow over time into like this, you know, big metropolis thing with some suburbs around the edge and all of that kind of stuff. And then I start digging into topography of, you know, why are there boundaries of these neighborhoods and the places that they are? Like what, what divides them and what determines the edges of these boundaries? So I start dealing with like topography stuff because yeah. um, part of the city's like a lot of bird folk that like traditionally lived there before it became a trading port. So there are like these huge plateaus and stuff that, you know, they traditionally lived in. So that's still their, like their neighborhood that they live in. I like that. I've never actually like started getting into that idea, but now I can see exactly like why it would make sense. Cause like when like, if you have like a curved road, why is the road curved? Like there's gonna be a, re there, there should be a reason. Like, yeah, maybe they said, fuck it, but that's unlikely. <laughs> That's true. That's a I, mean, very I think that's a that's a big part of it too. Is like in urban planning in real life, things don't make sense. Like there are things in weird places that just shouldn't be there. Oh, okay. So I know that there's a there's this like you know need in D and D to be like this needs to be realistic and everyone needs to understand that this is a thing because of this. But like just throw stuff in for fun. Like there's a residential neighborhood, but like there's a factory right in the middle of it. There's a there's a picture framing place over here in between like these two single detached houses. That's weird. Why is that there? Who knows? I so, like, like that. it's stuff like that that makes it feel a little bit more real because it just doesn't make sense and the real world just doesn't make sense. I like that a lot. I like that a lot because I thought I thought you'd almost come out with like the the opposite like when because I thought you'd be like yeah no I like to make things very like a nice nice plan but then I'm. When you say it, it makes so much sense. It's like we're talking about uh, fantasy lands. Are we gonna say that our leaders are amazing, awesome people, or are we gonna say that they're kind of fucked, weird individuals that need adventurers to help them? Like, so oh, I'm definitely gonna add just like a building in the middle of a road one day, and they're gonna. Go I'm just gonna it. have everyone complain about it. Like, I'm just gonna have people have like dug out the bottom of it. And like put it on like wooden stilts so they can walk under it, <laughs> but they haven't removed it because you're not allowed to. Exactly. If the owner hasn't consented, you can't take down the building. <laughs> ah, I love this. This is why I love this show. I get like the most the be the best ideas from it. Ah, uh, okay. So, how? Hmm, I know you overplan, so I, I, I know that asking you like what kind of details you go into is a dangerous, dangerous, <laughs> dangerous place to go. How much time do we have? Yeah, exactly. Exa you know what? <laughs> we'll start it and I'll see if I can, I'll cut you off when it gets going. But All right, go for it. <laughs> what, what are like some of the small ideas? So once you get into those neighborhoods, once you get into the topography, what do you go from there? Like what else? Is it a plan? I know that we got Eldon's magic shop on the corner. I know that the gold elves live in this area. What else matters? It's funny because one of my player's character's name is Eldon. <laughs> That's hilarious. Shout out Eldon. <laughs> yeah, I think I go for And this probably isn't like a legit planner thing, but I go for vibe. I, I pick hey. a neighborhood and I'm like, what is the vibe of this neighborhood? <laughs> And the um, the Dwarven one specifically I really enjoyed because it was also most of my players um, have some sort of background of 
um, planning, civil engineering, that kind of stuff. So totally. I can go like full okay. planner nerd and they kind of get it. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Which is nice. Uh, yeah, so the, the Dwarven one specifically, I went for sort of a, like a 1960s kind of what we call towers in the park sort of vibe of where the approach to affordable housing was, okay, we stick as many people as we can in these giant apartment buildings. We'll give them this big empty like open space thing um, because amenity space is good and they need nature. And then they just stuck it out in the middle of nowhere and it didn't go well. Yeah. So that was sort of the, the vibe I was going with these ones. It was sort of like a like a streetcar suburb of, you know, this was the the old suburbs of the city and then the city just got bigger. So it's still sort of part of the like the central area of the city. So there's apartment buildings, there's these little amenity spaces, all of this kind of stuff. But it's very much run by like the Dwarven guilds. So yeah. they're more co-ops than apartment buildings. So it's very much this like close-knit neighborhood of people who like all know each other and they all work together and yeah they live in these the, the building that he lives in is uh is like triangular yeah. so there's three apartments on each floor and they're all like in the point of the triangle yeah and there's like how do you get up is it like an elevator oh, elevator yeah, in the middle yep modern metropolis all right i'm just imagining this now okay <laughs> and then the one for the uh the the bird folk sort of neighborhood which is kind of up in this little plateau sort of at the like the north end of the city yeah um that one's been because it's like built on these different plateaus and stuff it's not a very like walkable neighborhood so of course the bird people like it because they can just like fly to the buildings that are up on these like kind of little plateaus and stuff whereas like humans and elves would not be able to get to these buildings in a way that makes sense and like the architecture is very much you don't come in from the main floor and take an elevator you just fly to your apartment on like the 27th floor but i've got it at this point where the neighborhood is actually being gentrified by all of the humans and elves <laughs> because they've decided that because all of these buildings are so hard to get to that it's the perfect place to live if you're a fitness nut so there's all of these like yoga studios and smoothie shops and stuff that are sort of popping up in the neighborhood So it's this mix of like the traditional like bird folk religion and culture and stuff that I've built and like these humans in oh. yoga pants. Oh my god. I'm just imagining that just Welcome to the air cockerelet. Bro, check out this vibro. That's exact that's that's literally it. I love that's that. Point. Is that even is that gluten? What the hell is wrong with you? You know Eric Cockers can't have gluten? Uh, we can have gluten. Bro, don't even, don't worry about it. I got you. Oh gosh, protein. Exactly. Oh man, that'd be great just to have the group having a conversation on one of those and just have somebody climb up over the edge. Just, uh, sorry about that. I'm just getting to my house. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. Like I like how you describe it as vibes. Cause I, um, I have a thing where I'm always trying to like convey an emotion with every like encounter. I want you guys to feel like one of the many emotions. And I like that this area has like kind of almost a similar thing. It has uh, an emotion attached, a vibe attached to it. I like that. Exactly. And I think that's kind of how like the really good neighborhoods and the really good like cities that you visit, like they all have a vibe that like you remember when you leave because you're not like if you visit a place and you leave and you're like oh 
that place was awesome because it had this really cool vibe. It's not like, oh, I remember specifically that at the corner of like this street and this street, they had this like really nice, like the way that they designed the sidewalks, like it's just a vibe. People like vibes. Okay, I, I get that. I get that. You know what? Um, first thing I think about is I went to Florida and it felt, I don't know, I guess I didn't get out enough or something, but it just felt like the same vibe as here. Like it felt no different. And so there's like not much to remember. That's fair. I, I mean, I a lot of places agree. were sort of like planned the same. Yeah. But I like that. I like it. you kind of come across a place and it has. So once you have the vibe of your area, uh, do you go even deeper? Well, actually, I find. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to say the vibe. Um, definitely probably helps you get an idea of what you want but what do you create after that like i know that you will go into some insane detail but it if there's mm, gosh questions are hard i am bad uh if you don't even think your players are going to go to somewhere how much detail will you put into that location um kind of the same detail i put into everything really um, okay so you put the same because detail. i don't know if they're not going to go there or not because they have the ability to go completely off the rails they're like we should like go to this other neighborhood and like i didn't plan for that but guess what i actually did mm, okay i like that it's one way to effectively control chaos yeah i'm not a not a huge fan of chaos i like having like I said, I like having stuff that I can pull from that if they go someplace that I didn't plan, I have something in my back pocket that I can pull out and be like, I know what that neighborhood looks like. I got that. I like that. Um, so you went from taking D&D 5e, a traditional, uh, I guess, we'll just say traditionally mostly is played as like a medieval fantasy. And you've taken it to a modern technology, cyberpunk, uh, pirates, metropole, metropole, metropolitan area um how have you found uh that transition has gone and what's been the best part about it the transition's actually not been too hard mm -hmm. um 5e is mostly just kind of the mechanics that i like so everybody's still you know clerics and barbarians and, and all of that kind of stuff so they're all the same classes they also carry weapons around because everybody carries weapons around because it's a city and if you don't you're you know gonna get stabbed and mugged and that kind mm -hmm. of thing um but the the cops now have laser rifles so that's kind of the fun bit um yeah. where everyone's still level one like you have your basic weapons um you don't automatically get laser weapons because mm. you know you're just some guy who lives in an apartment down the street um as they level up i will give them more powerful weapons uh but those are also in D and D, and they've already been created so, so it's not like i've really had to go too far out of what's kind of already been set and yeah 5e is just the the mechanics i like um i've brought in a couple little homebrew things that i like uh just in terms of table rules and stuff um mm -hmm. but yeah adapting the setting hasn't been that difficult for the rules in terms of the only thing that's really different is that technology is uh, magic based so if you want to do something with technology it's an arcana roll okay. which i warned them all of before they started 
creating their characters and then no one went with an intelligence-based character i'm like cool all right i see what we're doing i like it excellent we're going with we don't the care smash. about technology we're just going full hit things until it dies you know what that's a tried and true method it is it, is. <laughs> it totally is oh man i i would find it'd be a lot of reskinning things so it'd be like um instead of a staff you could call it a baton instead of a crossbow you call it a gun have you found that to be true not really it's oh. still it's the same weapons okay so i just sort of i've just made them work in the world basically so, so i haven't you... had to do too much sort of background work okay the what would be like because what i'm thinking of is what would you do with a long sword like if they had a long, or is like a long sword in this world, like just casual in the metropolitan, metropolitan. Totally casual. Everybody casual. has okay. like crazy weapons. I dig that. All right. Do you have any crazy weapons that you can tell us about? That you Not have? right now, I can't. I figured you couldn't. <laughs> I figured you couldn't. Dang it. All right. I'll have you back on to ask you about these crazy weapons. I figured you would. Do you have any <laughs> cool technology that you could tell us about? the players are experienced sure so i use the term cyberpunk very loosely um mm -hmm. if you wanted to get more specific it's more of a cassette futurism kind of thing where the technology is more like mid 80s to 90s sort of era technology yeah. um so it's big it's clunky it's built it's beige and it's plastic um cell phones are not really a thing but like laser guns are so I, i'm liking the um the sort of old school technology where everything's kind of like, you know, neon and, you know, 90s bowling alley carpet kind of yeah. vibe. Um, like, I'm feeling it. I love it. So, you know, you call someone on the phone and like, you don't know if they're going to answer because they don't have caller ID because caller ID isn't a thing. I like that. So I like that mix of like sort of what we would consider old school technology that's modern from a D&D &D perspective. I got that. I would definitely find adding the internet to D and D would be uh, a goddamn mess. A goddamn yeah. That's why I sort mess. of set it back. So like the internet and social media and like instant messaging is not a thing. But like you can Google things, sort of. Okay. Okay. Maybe to to some degree, but like I said, no one's an intelligence based character. So it's, it's like an axe ask, ask uh, Jeeves type situation like you you're probably just yeah. gonna get 90 percent ads but maybe maybe a little gem okay yeah you've been making mostly your own things adding on rather than kind of reskinning okay pretty cool. much yeah i like that because that's normally what i resort to originally is immediately reskinning um when you're when you're making these items i always have an issue of balance where i'm like is I, I I made a one shot once where I reskinned all the crossbows into guns and stuff like that, but I gave the players a car which did three d six damage at ten miles per hour, so they just got in the car. I made the car broken. I didn't give it HP, and so they were just hitting every enemy. It was just a joyride, and it was massacred. <laughs> so how do you do you have any way of getting around this or trying or testing or yeah i haven't given them cars <laughs> <laughs> don't i would i would recommend uh, low damage and low hp <laughs> yeah I, i've got it set up that 
in the world, cars are very rare. They're for people who are just like disgustingly wealthy, like over the top. Like none of the players know anyone who would ever own a car, basically. Okay. So it's not like it's like a grand theft auto. You just like pick one off the street. Like they are sort of like in a very specific area of town where my characters don't come from because none of them have like noble backgrounds or anything. Yeah, and if they're so expensive, you probably post up a bodyguard around your car. Yeah, exactly. It's made of gold. Like, there's no way you're going to steal it. Oh, God. Yeah, that's how... Oh, my gosh. The only way you can add wheels to a metal vehicle is if it's made of pure gold in this world. <laughs> All right, I like that. I'm definitely going to have to try that out. But have you given them anything that's been... Do you... How do you not give them something that's excellently broken? How do you not, once they get to, like... A certain item where they're like oh i'm never going back to that again or is that not even a problem not necessarily um i've i've got some some kind of fun little homebrew items that i've got going that mm. they haven't really found yet um so i haven't had to deal with them being broken yeah. but in a way it's just sort of making it worth like, i haven't given them any over-the-top weapons or items yeah, we've only done two sessions, so this could be, you know, totally off the rails in a couple of months. <laughs> um, but I've tried to build the world in a way that they don't really have the opportunity to go off the rails with stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I like creative solutions to things. So if they're like, hey, remember this, like, mostly useless item that you gave to us? Yeah, I'm now going to use it in this very specific situation, and it's going to, like, wreck your whole encounter. Like, the point of the encounter is to get through it. If you got through it with this, like, crazy out of the blue kind of thing then like go for it so yeah I, I i also have that where players will be like all right i've come up with this ingenious plan i'm about to use it and then they look at me and they're like i'm so sorry i'm like do it destroy <laughs> them it is time <laughs> i got no issue with it no that stuff's a blast and yeah if they if they get a little bit broken with it then Give them stuff where it's not going to work or make the encounter so overpowered that unless they use that item, they are all going to die. Um, if you were to start this world processing again with everything that you know now, this, this, this world, what would you change or redo if you were to restart I don't think I'm far enough into it yet to really realize if it's broken or not. Yeah. Uh, so far, it's all working really well. Um, yeah. I've got pieces that I'm still sort of building on the side that they're not going to get to for a very long time that I'm still sort of doing in the background. Mm. Um, but no, I like where it is. I like where it's going. Um, I don't know what I do differently. Hey. At this point, nothing. I think I like. I think I like where I am with it. Um, I just need to find a way to make my over planning more sustainable. I like that. I agree. It's gonna be difficult. I have a cat. Um, I see that. He doesn't like being held. See how long I, I can see, see that too. Mm. Sorry. Anyways. <laughs> I like that. There, there, there's nothing really I can you can complain about if it's going well, and until it starts going wrong, what's the issue? Why would you change it? Okay. 
if you if someone that was brand new never created a world a little little wee child approached you and said madam meg i'm looking to create a world of worlds all upon my mind what do i do how do i start <laughs> Exactly. How Actually, it's funny say. you asked that. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, it's a little like Victorian child. Mm -hmm. You're like, shouldn't you be like a 200 years old by now? Um, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, actually, I had one of my one of my players ask me recently, like, "Hey, I really like D and I'm really getting into it. I'm thinking of starting world building. Where do you start, and how do I start?" Oh. And so I kind of played it out. I'm like, "Yeah, I start with stuff that I find cool, and then yeah, I pick things and." you know, decide where they go and why they're there and give them a purpose. Um, and my thing is sort of world building is secondary to the story you're telling. World building is just the vehicle for telling a story. It's kind of the, the setting and the backdrop, but at the same time, it's part of the story and creating it in that way sort of makes sense to me. Um, and they later sent me this like picture of like, hey, I'm actually building the solar system for this world. And I'm like, that is way bigger than I would have ever gone, but it's brilliant. And I'm glad you're enjoying it. So everybody oh. has their own different way of doing things yeah. that, you know, that works for them, which is awesome. And I can't wait to play at all of these different planets in a couple of years when they finish it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I... exactly. I like that. I like that you kind of like. Yeah, I think. Go ahead. Nope. No, 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 you go ahead. I was gonna say I like that you kind of support people on like the create what you enjoy creating, because you're 100 percent right. There's a lot of parts of world building that are just a pain, and each for every person that world builds, it's different. Like, um, for me, it's street names. If you ask me to do street names, I'm going to fight you. Uh, I will have somebody else do street names, or I'll just do a random generator where I'm like street one, street two, street three, street four, street five. Um, but like some other people, I couldn't imagine doing a solar system. No, Chris, I threw some like crazy astronomical stuff at them, like world building stuff in the last session, and I think it kind of derailed it for like an hour. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a cyberpunk world, I need to find a way to justify it being dark and rainy all the time. So I'm like, okay, this, this world actually has two moons. And because of the way that like the moons and the sun rotate, one of the moons actually blocks out the sun every other month of the year. Okay. And they're like, oh, that's cool. How does that work? And I'm like, it does, like, okay, is this like a physics thing that you figured out or is this magic? And I'm like, both. I totally know the physics. I don't know the physics. It's magic and it seems cool. And I went with it. I'm sure somebody could do a uh, a math like thing that would make that correct. I'm sure sure would. I think you would just need like a very oval trajectory for one of the moons. Anyways, yeah, we're I'm, already. I'm, I'm sure. Already... Yeah, I'm sure there would be a way that it would work, and I'm sure there's someone who's gonna say like that would uh, never ever work, and you know, your world can't function with sun like every other month. Like that's not a thing that I'm like. Again, the real world is weirder than fiction. Right. And I like throwing in just fun, weird stuff that doesn't make sense in our world because there are so many things in our world that just don't make sense in general. Yes. And this was right after I gave, like, the session after I told them all that trees aren't really a thing. 
What? So that blew their <laughs> minds. I keep throwing these like world building things, and they're like, "Wait." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, that was kind of the the overarching sort of. I'm creating a world. What's the thing that's gonna make it different and unique and bring it together? And how can I? Yeah, if, if I take a thing out of the world, how do I make it work? Like, how does the world function now without this thing in it? And taking trees out is um, is a really big change to how we do things, especially when, you know, especially like medieval stuff is mm -hmm. everything's wood-based. Yeah. Everything's made out of wood. So tree, trees still exist. They're just, they're just weird and like kind of magical. Okay, hell yeah. I dig that. I dig kind of dropping in that little bit of world building stuff. I always find the worst thing is when I build a world, my players are like, yeah, I want to start in this town. I lived here. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Because I'm like, how much of the world? I can't send you my entire document, but I need to send you enough. Like, I need to, like, so you know the trees aren't real. <laughs> and then you can be the one to point out and be like, hey guys, you know those trees they ain't even real. <laughs> like that's uh and then like I'm always like I want to make them have like connections to the town. I don't want to just spring it on them cuz like old lady just walks up, "Oh, Peter, hello." And they're like, "Who are you, you bet? That's your grandma." Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um with world building, has there been any like um big walls or roadblocks that you've passed through or gotten over so far a little bit when i was planning out the sort of major city that they start in um there was some time issues in my like grand timeline of things mm -hmm. that didn't really fit and i find i found a fix for it um but i can't say what it is in case any of them are watching because yeah. it'll kind of like yeah It'll kind of ruin the whole campaign. So, yeah, I, but I figured that. out. I figured out the time issues. I feel that. I feel that intricately. There's a lot of times when I just want to be like, oh, this one thing's happening in my one campaign, and then I'm like, at any point, my viewers can watch this. Or my player. Yes, that's true. Oh man. If you you were to add any npc to your world from any uh media um movie video book what which one would you choose this is just a random boring random question i have no idea right like all of my npcs are like this big mashup of all of like all of the media i've ever consumed so i'm like i like these different characteristics from like these dozen different characters, I'm just gonna build that all into one person. Yep. All right. So what's your top? What's your three mashup? I would go the um, the epicness of Ric Flair, the woo, the energy. I would go the. I don't know why I'm all going WWE with this, but I'm gonna continue. I'm gonna go. Um, the Rock, for pure sex appeal, just like the the wink, uh, the the chest bump, and then I will go. Um, uh, oh, what's the sap? Oh, I forget his name from WWF. Like, 
The warrior. Yeah, the warrior for pure brutalness. I'll just have a very energetic, beautiful, muscular man running about all the time. Woo! Alright. What about you? It's amazing. Uh, I'm trying to think of the characters that I have and like the different personalities that I've built into them. So I've got one that's like if you've ever seen Treasure Planet, mm-hmm. um, Captain Amelia is like basically this character because she's one of my like favorite characters in anything ever. You know what? I I have, I have this issue of like making NPCs just total jerks, and I don't know why they they just all end up being jerks when I write them, and then when I'm actually like RPing with my players, I'm like, this character sounds so nice. <laughs> they were supposed to be way more annoying. They were supposed to really hate this guy and they really trust him and that's a problem <laughs> oh i you uh, that's husbo that's husbo <laughs> he's an npc in one of my campaigns um i i agree i um it was funny to me one day um i always make characters for like nerdy northerners and different anything i do I, I, I prefer playing like even video games in a character rather than just as myself um and after this long stint of DMing like four games a week for nearly seven months now, it's been, I I got pointed out that my characters are slowly being more evil and devious because I'm playing so many evil and devious characters. And that's worst, a good point. <laughs> yeah. And the worst part is, is that I want them to be nice. So I'm having the opposite problem. I'm like, oh, you guys are really going to love him. And then I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, why am I like this? It's like, because that's all I do all week long is think about how to be evil to my players. That's fair. That's totally fair. Oh, man. Hmm. Kind of getting to the end here. So I just have some general questions about you and your table. Do you sure. have any, you said that you have some homebrew rules for kind of just like table rules. What what kind of table rules do you have for you and your players? Uh, the biggest one is the consent checklist I did. Mm-hmm. Um, send it out to everybody. It's like, okay, here's this big checklist of like these things that could be not good and check off the stuff that you don't want to talk about. And we will not talk about it, basically. Because yeah. uh, when I first started DMing the group that I am, um it was the call of cthulhu one shot that we did at halloween so like obviously horror as a as a genre is something that like you need to be careful in terms of the things that you touch on with your players of things that they're comfortable with and i mean like i want them to be scared i don't want them to be like actively uncomfortable yeah um actually building off of that call of cthulhu thing i like the um the ability to push rolls in call of cthulhu so if you fail the first time you can try it again but you have to give a reason why yeah. So you're like, okay, I try to open, I try to pick the lock on the door. Didn't work. Okay, well, I'm going to take a longer time to do it, and I'm going to, like, find different tools. So you try it again, and if you fail that time, something bad is going to happen. So I like the ability to have that re-roll, um, but you have to justify it. And if you mess it up again, then you've, you know that there's going to be consequences to your actions. So I like having that as opposed to, okay, I try to pick the lock. I roll the one. Can't get in the door. Just not going to happen. Walk yeah. away. You know, so I like giving them that sort of second chance. So far, no one's done it because they're all too paranoid that like something awful is going to happen if, if if they fail the second time. 
I'm just thinking oh, of the Astafa movie. Piano! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I like that one. But yeah, they haven't really gone for it yet. They're all a little bit paranoid. Yeah, well, you know what? That's a... It's gonna be great when they fail, and it's just like, and your tool breaks. You have to go buy new tools for two copper. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I like that. So you 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 brought that into your game. Do you have any yep. others? I'm trying to think, I have a big long list of them, and I can't remember what they are right now. I feel that. Um, I'm definitely I'm thinking about using that that pushing the roll. I think for like events or something where it's like one shots when it's like. Yeah, but you really could just push it. And you're like, yeah, I'm only using this player tonight. Let's push it. Let's go for it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the other rules that we have. Um, everything's just like general table rules of like, you know, standard kind of conduct stuff. Um, hmm. If your player dies, they die and they're not coming back. Um I forget the way that I worded it. It was like, death is real and permanent. And the player's like, that's really dark. And I'm like, sorry. So is death. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe I could have worded that better. I'm sorry. But I mean, you got, you got the picture. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I can't think of the, the other ones right now. No, that's fine. But yeah, like nothing, nothing crazy and out there. I think the Call of Cthulhu pushing one is kind of the, the main one that I really brought in. Um, another one I want to do is um, the DM rolling death save. I've, I've seen that kind of circulating about a bit. So the players don't know and they can't metagame, um, you know, if one of the players is, is rolling death saves and they keep, keep passing. And you're like, oh, they're going to be fine. We can just like keep hitting the, the bad guy and they're going to come back. Yeah. Um, you don't know if someone, you know, passes out after getting hit. You don't know how they're doing, you know, unless you're rolling a medicine check kind of thing. So the DM doing it, sort of i've heard which we haven't done it yet but i think it would be a cool thing to implement is you know they don't know how that character is doing you could have just rolled a natural one and they're like one death save away from being permanently dead um i actually <clears throat> i took um that idea into one of my campaigns and i can tell you um so instead of me rolling it i have them since we're playing on discord we're not in person and no one can see each other's rolls anyways I have them, I'll just ask them on their initiative turn, hey, roll a death save and private message it to me. Because then they still get that satisfaction of rolling and uh, then I only know. And then even if they're dead or stabilized, I still ask them to give me a roll. But I'll just like message them in the private message. I'll be like, I'm going to keep asking you, ignore. Um, so it's great. So I'll just be, it'll be like eight turns and I'll still be like going, so give me a death save. And he'll be like, that's not possible and i'm like shut up continue uh, <laughs> like is someone gonna heal this guy because you don't know what's possible yeah you don't know what's going on right now it's like you guys really should have done something about this about seven rounds ago <laughs> yep no yeah, that's so on you guys <laughs> I, I definitely encourage that one because it definitely i i found the the group i was playing with was not um as scared as they should have been they didn't really realize what was going on um but i definitely seen how it took their mind off of the player dying because the player is no longer able to be like guys i'm at two death saves fucking help me they they can't say that i've told them to private message me so they know that it's a secret kind of like universally known and yeah 
So now they have to just like be quiet. And the other players are so focused on the battle that they may not even think about their down companion anymore. <laughs> They've forgotten about the guy who passed out, <laughs> yeah, like eight rounds ago. Oh, it happened. It it exactly happened. There was a guy and I was like, hey guys, are you gonna go like back for him? Like in like the rooms a few rooms ago? Like, but there's enemies here. I'm like, your friend is dying. Eight, two rooms back. But enemies here. Your friend, enemies here. Yeah, they didn't give a shit. It was great. No. And I feel like uh, it's a little bit different when you're in person too. Because like you can vis- like visibly see the person at the at the table. Whereas if it's just Discord, you're like, okay, you just skip them in the initiative round. And they're like, I've forgotten they're there. Yeah, exactly. Like staring that person in the face and going, I hit the enemy again. While they're like, guys, you know, I feel like that's a little bit different. I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, Also, I like the, I'm thinking about it now. I like the idea of the DM rolling because even the player unconscious wouldn't know of their current status. Yep. You're unconscious. You don't have any consciousness to even gauge that. Um, do you have any, like, one, oh, never mind, it's gonna be, I'll, good luck, good luck, this is the most impossible question to answer, do you have any good table stories, any good D&D stories to share? Um, the first one shot I ever, I ever DM'd, <laughs> so this goes into my, like, over planning, and yeah. it totally goes over my players' heads, so... This was before I actually really knew how D&D worked, and it was sort of, it, we just sort of rolled dice, and it was fun kind of yeah. thing. It was a bunch of people that I, like, I did writing with, and we wrote in a, like, a historical kind of setting, but it was real world. It wasn't fantasy. So I'm like, okay, I've set this whole story where they're going to a, a party for the night on this little island so they can't get out because I'm very good with, like, you can't get out of this thing that I've planned because I don't have a plan for everything else. Um, <laughs> and it was this like Count, who like no one had seen in years, and his niece, who like, you know, her parents were somewhere or whatever, he was raising her. It was her 16th birthday, and that was what this ball was about, and like the whole city was invited, so everybody showed up. And I tried to set up this like subplot of, you know, this dude, you know, no one's seen him in a while, so they think that he's like into some kind of freaky dark art stuff. So, uh actually it turned out that denise was sick and she was dying so he was going into like weird necromancy dark arts Mm -hmm. alchemy stuff to try and save her but they figured you know this is going to be her last birthday so we're going to give her a big party and it's going to be fun whatever so this was set back in like the 1800s or something Mm -hmm. so when you were sick in the 1800s and you were in pain um they didn't have like advil <laughs> the things like... that you took for pain in the 1800s were uh cocaine and opium. <laughs> you just got so this. I decided that like okay, this, this is a party full of adults and they're totally going to be on board with the story. Yep. So when they, you know, broke into kind of her chambers in the estate, I had like drawers filled with opium and cocaine. <laughs> thinking that oh, they're going to clue into this. This is going to be a great plot point. And one of the players goes I snort the cocaine, and I'm like, no. <laughs> I didn't, why didn't I think of this? Yeah. I didn't see it coming. I did not see it coming. 
I'm like, no, no, no. These are these are all adults. We're all going to be like totally invested in the story. They're not going to do anything crazy. Like I didn't even think about it. And yeah. And I'm like, okay, right roll for it. And she's like, natural one. And I'm like, it's in your eyes. You can't see. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So no. it was one of the most fun things I've ever done, but it went completely off the rails. Oh, that um, went so bad. I like it. I was because... expecting them all to be mature about it, and they didn't. It just, it didn't. <laughs> I expect everyone to be immature about everything, but that's maybe just because who I am. <laughs> so yeah, I like that. I like that you're like, yeah, no, this, this is this. Is, it makes perfect sense. It is a painkiller, and it was used copiously in the younger times and this is a rich man who really cares about his niece i'm sure he would he would ensure that she wasn't going through any pain but then your players find it and they're like all right so <laughs> party time that's Did that's exactly how it went history as the younger years did i say younger years i don't know maybe the younger years of history <laughs> Yes, that is true. Though I mean, we we are two thousand and twenty one. From that perspective, the younger years of history. Yeah. Yes, yeah. the younger years of history. Those are the younger years. Like, yeah. I'm gonna start calling history that. I'm gonna be like, man, when we were three hundred years uh, younger, we did some crazy shit. Exactly. I like that. No, it's it. I like that for and it's such an over planner. The, the cocaine went way, way over your head. I did not even see it coming. I'm like, no, no, no. This is a, this is a like, historically accurate plot point that they're totally going to clue into. I did not even... It didn't cross my mind that they were going to do drugs. It just... Yeah. My favorite part of the story is just like the, the vast difference on reaction. You're expecting them to be like all in there like golf coupling? Like, oh, 1800s history. Excellent. Really, they're just being animals. Yeah, it yeah it it all went downhill from there, but it was oh. fun. It was fun to play. All right. Well, we're coming to our last little bit. One thing that I think that you said that I'm personally going to take home, I think viewers should take home, is the real world doesn't make any sense. Why does our fantasy world need to make sense? Like, in if it from talking today, I feel like if anything, the fantasy world should make less sense. Exactly. And so I'm definitely going to take that into my own world building where I stop trying to focus on making everything make sense. Like these, these, these are people and leaders just like us. They're not going to make good decisions nearly any of most of the time. Pretty much. And weird things just happen. So. Well, Meg, thank you for joining me today on Dungeon Master Discussion. Uh, is there anything you would like to shout out, plug, let our audience know about? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, not really. Uh, I have a um, Instagram account, actually, where I make dice for fun. Um, so if you're looking for fun dice content, I am Wits and Dice on Instagram. Wits and Dice. All right, well, everyone, thank you all for joining us in our conversation today. We will be back next Friday between 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. But until then, I've been Zach the DM, this has been Dungeon Master Discussions, and I will catch you all later.